Collateral Creatives was created and hosted by XN Radio. If you wish to get in touch with either me or Cheyenne, then feel free to leave us an email at ccmoody22 at gmail.com. We love getting feedback and requests for future episodes, so we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for your listenership and enjoy the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Collateral Creatives, the show where we go into content that's not necessarily Christian, so we can hopefully find some aspect of God or some aspect of his gospel. I am your host, Austin Murphy, and I'm once again joined by my lovely co-host, Cheyenne Wyatt. And today we actually have a very special guest, uh, the host of Alul's Cafe, Professor Jeremy Pettit here at Moody Bible Institute. Uh, his specialty in his show has been very much deeply rooted in theology, technology, and culture, and where those bridges intersect, mm-hmm. and the various subjects tied into that. He's even brought his famous Earl Grey from the cafe. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do on your show. Yeah, I mean, we just spend a lot of time, especially talking with college students and really thinking through uh, what is technology, how is it forming us as people, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and what are the theological things that we need to think about as we go into it and also as we start to engage with it and recognize that it in and of itself is forming culture. It is mm. actually creating okay. components in culture that we're trying to interact with and ask ourselves, okay, is this something I want to be a part of? Is this something that's healthy? Is this something that's moving me into places where I'm flourishing as a human as God designed me? Yeah. Very clearly theologically in the Bible to be designed to be flourishing as a human. Or is this moving me away from that? Is this moving me more into my brokenness, more into my selfishness, more into my capacity to isolate myself, push away the rest of the people and try and control the world? Because it can do that too if we're not careful. Yeah, I actually remember there was one episode that hit me really hard uh, because you were talking about the fact that the way that we use our apps on our phones even, mm-hmm. the way that they're set up, you kind of get used to just hitting the same app over and over again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's an automatic reaction. It's almost like a fix. Mm-hmm. And so you move your apps around on your phone, for example, so that you don't ever get caught into that sort of loop. All the time. <laughs> which which does always make it like, you know, especially with my kids when they're trying to get in the... Uh, wait, where did you put Spotify? You just want to turn on the like the music, man. Where is it? Like, okay, now it's. Wait, I think it's over here. I mm-hmm. think I remember where I put it. So, just look around. You'll find it. There I aren't that, that many apps on my phone. I was gonna say I have that problem with my dad, but that's just because he doesn't organize his phone at all. Oh no, you find mine. You just be like, there's nothing on here. Like it's really creeping me out. And people are like, why do you have a phone then? I'm like, well, mostly because I need it to hotspot the rest of my devices Mm -hmm. while I'm working on the train. Yeah. Like, if you didn't have to have that, I'd probably just go to a dumb phone. But (laughs) you know what it is? It's T9. I cannot go back to T9. Oh, yeah. I cannot go back to hitting the button on A four times to get B and C. And this is stupid. Just give me back (laughs) something to take. So if they made a text phone... I'm in. I'm done. Excellent. That, that, that's it. Like those Blackberries, the ones with like the keyboards that swipe? Yeah, old school stuff like that. But the only thing that I have is I also have some kind of meaty hands. So <laughs> got to be kind of careful here because like then you get in those. And they always had the button was so small. And it was like, okay, this is, I just keep hitting M and I didn't mean to hit M. And why does it keep, ah, 
So, so, so you're saying like a modern sized phone, but with the swipe keyboard, maybe. I totally go for that. I totally go for uh, like, and pretty much. Uh, so, there's a fascinating new phone called a Light Phone. Okay. For this, so basically, the uh, they they built this out a couple years ago. They're on Light Phone two now, I think. Oh. Uh, but basically, it was designed originally for people who had smartphones who want to take a break, and mm. so you could tether it to your phone, and it would forward all your calls. But all it did was take calls, send texts, um, and I think it had an alarm. Oh, wow. So now they added a calendar and I think maybe one other basic thing. Okay. But no apps. It has no color. That's why it's light phone. It's just white. You know, almost like, it almost looks like a Amazon Kindle or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Like it's really, really clean. Yeah. Um, but what they found over the last couple of years, which is fascinating, is that they've been selling it more not for what they thought they were, which was to tether, but people just started buying it to have it oh. as their primary phone so they didn't ever have to buy it smartphone hmm. so it still has that and i guess it has like it'll make a keyboard for you to text if you want to text something like it'll switch but realistically it doesn't do much and it also doesn't ding and it doesn't have notifications oh, wow. and bells and whistles and all that kind of stuff so it's super non-distracting it's also supposedly like half the size width wise of like an iphone which means oh, wow. i feel like i'd snap it more than <laughs> yeah let's be honest so. it's interesting that we're using technology to solve the problems of technology or at least trying to yeah well and it's also interesting because mostly what it's an omission of is well when we get it we can't control ourselves yeah mm -hmm. basically like, i can't control myself so let me get another device and now they're saying well they just did a people just stopped using the other device and they just kept using the iphone <laughs> um and a bunch of a bunch of my friends have basically moved to something simple like that or a simplified version of a phone and then they move all their app stuff to a tablet okay so basically it makes their life easier because the tablet's way more involved to pick it up and do stuff with it sure than carry it around with you all the time in your back pocket right so so what I'm interested in is uh, I found it kind of funny to talk about things like technology, theology, culture, and then finding God where technology could be uh, is the fact that these kind of shows, Collateral Creatives, Alul's Cafe, the other shows here on XN, mm -hmm. we're using technology currently mm -hmm. in order to try to spread some sort of gospel or a Christian perspective on how we see the world. Sure. So... Is there some sort of hypocrisy in that <laughs> by calling out technology? No. No, not at all, because here's the key. Think through the fact that the the first apostles, they write these letters that we call the Bible now, but when they wrote them, that was their best media. Right. They knew this is the best way to communicate this, and if they hadn't, you wouldn't have a Bible. Mm -hmm. So to say, like, well, we probably shouldn't have let them write letters, they probably should have just showed up, you wouldn't be reading Paul or John you wouldn't be reading any of the other authors in the New Testament if they hadn't done that. You wouldn't have read, read anything if they hadn't figured out ways to translate scrolls into letters, into a codex as we went along from the Old Testament if that hadn't been true. If we hadn't kept updating the technology, all that stuff would have fallen apart by now. So, no. Uh, it, but it comes with two caveats. Mm -hmm. Number one, um, the disciples, the apostles, specifically if you want to look at John, uh, always saw it as second best. Like... I write this to you, but my plan is to come to you so that my joy is complete. My joy is incomplete by writing to you. Right. My presence with you would make my joy complete. Uh, and so they write knowing that it's always second best. So as long as you start with that admission, hey, this is second best. Would it be better to sit down with someone over coffee and have this discussion about the gospel? Absolutely. Is it possible? 
Mm, no, because first of all, I don't have time to have coffee with a thousand people. <laughs> right. Okay, totally get it. But at the same time, the admission there, which is what John's also acknowledging, is that mm -hmm. it's a trade-off. I get the capacity to send this to a church and they actually pass those things around because now it's portable. Mm -hmm. It's a, So I gain that, but I lose the complete joy that is being in your presence. So every single time I use media, I just have to acknowledge that I'm trading something. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm, I shouldn't do this or should do this. So it's hypocrisy, mm -hmm. but that I'm acknowledging that there are limitations to what this is able to do versus what I could do if I was with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, so kind of along the same thread of thought with that, when it came to like recording scripture and everything, mm -hmm. they did that because they saw the value in that. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying with sitting down and having a conversation, like that's kind of like top tier value. Um, do you think that today with technology, let's see, I'm trying to figure out how I want to <laughs> phrase that question. Yeah. Um, what is the value with technology like the dynamic there where okay it would maybe be better to sit down and have a conversation with mm -hmm. someone but it's easier to call or text or it's mm -hmm. easier um to is it though yeah is it um <laughs> a, a lot of people at least austin and i's austin and me grammar one of those two one of those two <laughs> <laughs> um at least like our age we have like a lot of people our age have anxiety when it comes to answering the phone Absolutely. or Absolutely. um talking to someone face to face and so like text is really easy quote unquote yep. easy and so does that lower the value of that interaction uh, to some degree, I would say yes. Uh, so here's some things I would throw into that part of that conversation, because I think um, what I'm more concerned about in the cultural conversation, which is what why the show is called The Lull's Cafe, is because what a lull was concerned with was that culture was going to adopt uh, technique, which is a prioritization of the culture of everything efficient. So it wants efficiency, and it's going to teach all of you that efficiency is the best and highest thing. Like, be fast, be powerful, be strong, be the best. You even hear people, are your best life. What the world does that even mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. But but if the culture defines that as most efficient, quickest way to get to you, um, then what I would say is, uh, yeah, if the culture defined that as efficiency as the highest value, then you could say this is the best for you. But the problem is that in some ways that diminishes what communication. So from a communication person, you're actually at pretty it like, um, so there's a concept called media richness theory and it says how much uh, feedback's coming in, how much you know verbal cues, nonverbal cues, all those kind of things are coming through. Um, text to one another is on the bottom third. It's one of the lowest possible ways of communicating. The, the, about the only way left would be to put up a poster for a concert. Like, there's no even feedback loop then. Yeah. Like, you're literally just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what you're trying to say and do. Uh, part of the thing, though, that I think actually is happening when people are saying I'm anxious or nervous about it is, is often is, is similar to saying, uh, I'm not sure I can go in and squat 300 pounds in the gym. It's like, well, no, you could, but you'd have to go in and start it 
50 and then go to 75 and then go to 200 and then and then you get to 300 because it's a muscle and the less we use the muscle because we prioritized hey be fast we don't actually know how to interpret it's fascinating also to sit with students and say um what is this person's face telling you and some of them are like i'm not sure like okay because i didn't learn nonverbal cues from people and see like they look mad Oh, no, they weren't mad. They actually look sick or they look, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, but that's experience. And I get it when you don't have experience, you're like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. So I'm a little nervous and anxious about it. But my question is, okay, then how do I go out and find a way to get 50 pounds lifting before I go to 300 pounds lifting? And by the way, telephone calls, I get it. it you're like, I'm picking up. It was always, even when I was a kid, like I'm picking up the telephone at my house. I don't know who's on the other end. And you're like, this could go weird. I I get it. I get the anxiety. But at the same time, first of all, you can screen most of that now. (laughs) Uh, You're like, oh, it's my mom. I know it's coming. (laughs) But but at the same time, there's this sense in me of um, what if you started to practice with people that were safe, that were easy, that you could start to engage in and then work up to, hey, I can actually have conversations with people because... There's fascinating people all around you. And it's, I walk from Moody to the train and it's fascinating to watch how no one is in the world with me. They're all somewhere else because of technology Hmm. and they're, and and they're not, and they're only with people that they trust and that are safe for them because they prioritize being safe, being powerful, being fast. Is that really our priority? And how much of, I don't want to do this is playing into my own selfishness that's ultimately as a trade-off and consequence moving me away from community with people that I I should probably get to know even if they're a little scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that reminds me of a reading that I like just did for my field methods class for linguistics Mm -hmm. and um, it talked about how the purpose of language is community and Mm -hmm. you can't learn a language or even do language without other people Mm -hmm. because if you see something and you have a thought of it like you've already had that communication with yourself like there is no way to like have a language that is only for you Mm -hmm. but if you see someone's car getting stolen (laughs) and you're like hey that guy is uh, stealing your car like you have communicated the thought that you had across the distance between like your own brain and their brain Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think that's also part of the fear sometimes is like whether or not like you can bridge that gap Mm -hmm. Um, just because again this is coming from the same reading it's um, actually called leave me alone I'm learning your language Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's super entertaining paper but um it talked about how like you have to be weird first Mm -hmm. to like be normal Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't know if people are always like willing to like potentially risk things to sure be able to belong well and 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 the biggest risk in what you're talking about is that there's the chance that i'm going to be misunderstood Mm-hmm. And if I'm misunderstood, does that now make me somebody you don't want to talk to and or even your enemy? Because I'm, your car is getting stolen, but you don't understand what I'm saying. And it looks like I'm yelling at you about your car. And now you think I'm trying to attack you or steal your car. 
that's not what I was saying. I was saying somebody else was taking it. Yeah. But I don't. I don't want to be that guy who's yelling at you. Like I don't want to be that. Like, but it's right there. It's or it's gonna blow up. It's on fire. Or whatever. <laughs> like, well, you're the. I didn't make the fire happen, but I know that. So that fear of being misunderstood, which happens all the time, is always the trade-off of like, yeah, but I have to risk that if I'm gonna actually be known. I have to risk being misunderstood if I'm actually gonna get to know you, and you're gonna get to know me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like. I think with technology, it kind of is a crutch because you can simplify a lot of things with technology, especially with the fact that like texting has it in written form so people can double check and be like, oh yeah, my car was stolen on such and such date. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be pulling the analogy too <laughs> okay, far. But... that's interesting. <laughs> hey, your, your car is getting stolen. <laughs> friends are nice. Uh, that might be pulling the example too far. But um, yeah, like you can... Like when you write down a language that solidifies so many things versus spoken language and technology is a part of that. And that's really interesting, like that dynamic. Yeah. And I think, but I think the thing that the thing that we're finding actually about the technology, especially as a medium for communication, is that when you're trying to share information, your car's getting stolen. Um, You are that's a lot easier to do when it's concrete and objective mm-hmm. your car's getting stolen well that's a that's a statement of fact it either is or isn't true but uh i've had multiple times lately and maybe you two have had a similar where somebody handed me their phone and said can you read this text because it sounds like this person's fill in the blank yes. angry oh, yeah. mad whatever and i'm like yeah see this is the problem the moment it goes to emotion or relationship or some kind of nuance and depth now the technology started to fail me because I did write it down, but the words that I wrote missed the tone, missed the energy, missed even the the speed and the pace that they were said. Because if you say like, whatever, you say whatever. My favorite one right now, every time somebody says it, I stop and I ask them and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Are you ready for this one? Yeah. It is what it is. And I'm like, hold on, what does that mean? Because it, uh, technically it's a nonsensical phrase. It, well, of course it is what it is. So why'd you say that? <laughs> like this cup is a cup. Duh. <laughs> but that's not what you mean when you say it is what it is. Uh, no. Nope. So, but it has like four or five different kinds of meanings. So someone texts me and says it is what it is. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> Did you just say it like, <sighs> whatever it is what it is. Okay. So that means it is what it is, is I'm just giving up. I can't change it. Or... It is what it is. Okay, so now you're angry about what it is and you wish it were different. (laughs) Or it is what it is and I am complacent and I'm really lazy and I just don't care anymore. (laughs) So all that phrase does all this work. So when you text it to me, I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Are you saying you're mad or you're quitting or you're resigned or you're frustrated or you want to cry or... All those, just in that one phrase. Because technically, the actual linguistic meaning of the word is, this cup is a cup. (laughs) Well, duh. But that's not what we mean when we say that. We mean all Mm. these other things. And that's the part where you have to stop and go, wait, I got to ask some questions because I don't understand. Are you mad? Are you ready to quit? Because we usually just assume. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like... Okay, I, I, and it's also all, it's sometimes, and this is another way it gets used. Is it is what it is? Is I'm done talking about this. 
Like, I don't oh, even, yeah. like, it is what it is. All right, let's go to dinner. Like, <laughs> okay, I guess we're done. Like, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I can't say anything more about it than what we've already said. So which is it? So it, for me, the language component that text loses is all of that tone, pace, um, energy that's, you know, the resignation, the emotion, all the stuff. I lose that in text. And so I'm always, anytime someone says, I want to uh, book dinner. Cool. You send me an invite. Great. We're exchanging information. Hey, it's raining out. Great. Your car is getting stolen. Uh, not <laughs> not have that. But anytime someone goes to emotion or nuance or something, I'm like, we need to talk. And I'll just uh -huh. stop texting and call them. Right. Like, we got to yeah. talk. And then there's so many things with text that also confuse people that um, is just like a common, like, social contract sort of <laughs> like um not using periods mm -hmm. yeah. um i tend to text with proper grammar just because that's how i am mm -hmm. but i've had to like train myself out of that because people are like why did you use a period uh-huh they'll read too deep into it <laughs> they're, they're like, like oh, are you upset apparently you're <laughs> well and the really funny part was so i would like start texting and i and, and i so there's two types of texters I've seen. Mm -hmm. One's the I text a line and send, and then it's just I'm keep te I keep texting. Like it's going to be 72 <laughs> texts in a paragraph, and I but instead of I know that you're going to get annoyed with the three dots that I'm sitting there texting a whole paragraph on before I send it to you. So then the people send like one line at a time, or they do that. They they say okay, 72 lines, and you're like, how long is this dot going? Like, are you writing a book? We both represent those two different sides. Yeah. Right. So so there's that. <laughs> So what I used to do at the beginning was I used to put an ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. And I'd send it. I'd be like, oh, okay, no. I got something like this, dot, dot, dot. And everybody was like, he's super mad. And I'm like, how did an ellipsis turn into angry? I'm not a, now I'm angry. Why did I, can't I have my ellipsis back? Because grammar and text don't go together. They don't. Just And the other one, you know, the one that I love playing with is um, there is no, and much as your, your audience is going to think that this is true, but it's not true. Uh, there is no common uh, expectations for certain kinds of things as emojis. <laughs> I was just about to bring up emojis. Yeah. So, so the, my favorite one is, and if you're out there listening to this and you want it, you're sitting around, you got it, friends ask, just ask them one, one question. Show me the emoji for sarcasm. I just said something sarcastic. I put an emoji at the end. Which one is it? I... <sighs> I've heard 17 different answers. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if I'm going to use sarcasm, I usually use the, the what is it, the flat mouth one that's completely expressionless. Okay. That if I ever use sarcasm. Like it's dry, deadpan kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Okay. I don't really use emojis. <laughs> you don't, you don't sarcasm? So how do you tell if it's sarcasm if you sent it? She has to clarify. Because I have a feeling you're sarcastic with him every She has to actually text saying that was I'm sarcasm. Like, that was sarcastic, by the way, mm -hmm. as like my next text. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, I've gotten the uh, upside down smile. Like, oh. Uh, okay. All right. Oh, that caused right. so many problems right. in my linguistics uh, class. So then, so then I got, uh, I use, personally, I use the wink. Like, uh-huh, yeah, oh, you know, I'm yeah. messing around. Yeah. Like, this isn't serious, because if I'm winking at you, you're like, oh, I get it as a joke. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard blushing face. I was <laughs> like, okay. I've heard, mm -hmm. um, I even heard somebody who was trying to tell me that the, the one that everybody thinks crying laughing emoji was actually sarcasm. I was like, oh. interesting. So, yeah, I think I've seen that for some sarcastic So, so here's the point, though. 
then when I say, hey, go ask your friends, what you find out is your friend group all does tend to use the same one. But then when I ask it in a class, everybody else is like, wait, why do we all use different ones? Because your language is actually about the smaller community and you've all mm -hmm. agreed that that's the emoji for it. But there's no universal emoji. So I've sent sarcastic emojis to people outside my group. Oh, no. And they're like, what was that? <laughs> Were you... Are you flirting with me? And I'm like, it's a wink. I'm not. Oh, dear. I don't even know how to explain something. Like, you all just have these small in-group language things, which is cool. That's good from a communication perspective. But I don't even know how you make sense of some of this. Because now I can't tell if you're ever angry or you're whatever. How do I know? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and how do you know if somebody's super mad? Like, even angry is like a, oh, yeah, and like the levels of anger as right, well, where right, there's yeah. like the, isn't there one where it's like exploding out of the yeah. ears or something? See, I really don't use emojis that often. But, 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 but what would it take? Like, how far would you have to be gone to use exploding out of your ear emoji? Exactly. Like, if I'm that angry, I'd probably stop texting you. Probably. Because I don't even want to talk to you anymore if I'm literally, my head's going to blow off. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So for, for me, the, the, the difficulty in all this is it is about relationship and community. Mm -hmm. It is about the desire to connect to other people. And so there are moments where I have to say, this is a tool that helps me do certain things. It's terrible at helping me do other things. Right. This is a hammer. Hammer's really good for some kinds of things. Really not good for other kinds. Of, not good for baking cookies. Mm -hmm. Not good for putting Band-Aids on children. Should not use a hammer to do that. <laughs> That's not what the tool's for. So it's, but the problem is because this tool, and I've actually been thinking a lot about this, the, the problem arises when we get convergence, when we get multiple things that the same tool is supposed to do. Right. And our phone became not a hammer, but a multi-tool. Mm -hmm. And so now it kind of does everything, but it doesn't do any one of them actually that well. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens if we start thinking through how do I unpack that to find the tool that's going to work best for the relationship moment, the communication moment that I'm trying to engage in? Right. And if I'm going to flash back to, I think, one of your first episodes actually on your show, you had Professor Snyder on mm -hmm. and you were trying to identify what actually technology is, defining the terms, basically. Yep. And... If I remember correctly, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Essentially, there was a different there was a difference between technology in and of itself. These microphones that we're using, the laptop that we're using mm -hmm. to record the system, the audio mixer, all of that. This is all technology. Mm -hmm. But the broadcasting service that we're using to broadcast this message mm -hmm. isn't inherently technology. That's a company, and the company is using the technology for whatever it is that they'll use it for. Mm -hmm. So in that way it's not that technology is inherently going to be causing its own problems it's that the way that the technology is used is what can cause problems usually yeah and that's an instrumentalist approach so there's instrumentalism or determinism the technology I, I do things with technology versus technology does things to me the challenge with that is that technology actually does l limit my options Okay. So if I say that I'm able to do something, for instance, um, I'm saying I'm going to try and talk to you about this conversation on Collateral Creatives, but I'm using a microphone to do it. It limited my capacity to have this conversation simultaneously somewhere else. But it opens other options because now I can talk to a bunch of people. So it always is, and that's why I'm always pushing ask for the trade-off. Like, what did I gain? What did I lose? So 
it it opens other options, but it's it controls some of the other things. There's and and anybody who's played with technology knows there's things that drive them crazy. Yeah. Like if you're working on writing a paper and it keeps autocorrecting something, and you're like, I don't need it to do that. Or on email, if you're trying to build a, a video thing and mm-hmm. and it, the the particular part of the program is supposed to color correct some things. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you were working on. Yeah. It yeah. Didn't work. No. Nope. Uh, you're like, hey, <laughs> but here's the thing. There's only that way or this way to work on it. There's not all the ways that I could possibly conceive of to solve the problem. True. The, the technology limited my options as much as it gave me new ones. So it, the way I like to say it is that technology, the relationship that we have with technology is a bit like um, picking, a, like going onto a baseball field. Mm-hmm. Like you get to go to Wrigley Field here in Chicago and you walk out on Wrigley Field and all the lines are there and all the bases are there and you've got all a group of people, exactly the right number of people and bats and gloves and balls and hats, you probably going to wind up playing baseball. Probably. Like it's not that you had to play baseball necessarily or that you couldn't have invented a new sport, but you're more than likely because of the way it works, just going to wind up playing baseball. We're at Wrigley Field. Why wouldn't we throw a few, hit a few balls, see what happens? Why? Because that that space tells you that you're supposed to do and not do things. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, well, but you do know that they used to play football games at Wrigley Field because a football field will fit inside a baseball field. Cool. But would we just naturally start playing a football game if we went to Wrigley Field? <laughs> no. Why? Because the field itself, the structure has dictated what people expect to do in that space right you expect to do certain things on instagram and not do certain things on instagram you expect to do certain things on discord and not do certain things on discord there are certain things that are okay in certain spaces and not why Mm -hmm. because the space actually dictates a lot of our behavior so the structure that technology creates sets the playing field that we normally are used to playing on we don't typically go against it completely right And so that's usually the conflict that we run into, especially here on this show, is that pretty much everything that we've ever talked about was created with technology. Mm -hmm. It had intended audiences. It had intended uses. Um, I think at some point we actually went into YouTube uh, Mm -hmm. and and how almost uh, deceptive that whole app can be Mm -hmm. because it gives you the illusion that everything is under your control, Mm -hmm. but it's reading everything that you're doing and giving you content dependent on what you're watching. Mm -hmm. So in that sort of scenario, the real question that has actually been flooding my mind quite a bit is how safe is it for someone who is of any faith, not just Christianity, but any faith, how safe is it for them to be interacting with a media that could potentially be influencing them without them even realizing it? Mm-hmm. Or how could they stay safe from that sort of thing, do you think? Well, okay, so let's suppose that we were, let's let's pick a different field to play on. Let's say we're going to play football. Okay. Okay, so um, if you and I and a bunch of our friends, 20 other of our friends went out and played football, half defense, half offense, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, no one who's ever played on a football field just let their guard down Mm -hmm. because any one of these people especially if you played real football could hit you from behind and knock you out (laughs) why because they were throwing the ball at you and they hit you hard you can't let your attention just go like yeah we're just gonna wander around on the football field while the game's going on and then four guys with their 300 pounds land on top of me (laughs) and i'm like i should probably have been paying better attention but that's the difference 
that the spaces tend to make you think you're sitting on a beach. In reality, you're sitting in the middle of a football field or a war zone. So one of the phrases that somebody used uh, the other day in an article was, uh, if you're going to play on the internet, you better stay frosty. Oh, yeah. You got to stay alert and aware that everything around here means something. Mm. Um, One of the things I'm really passionate about is if you're going to read through any kind of feed, news feed, social media feed, whatever, you need before you click on anything to ask, do I want 10 more of these? Because the moment you touch it, you're going to get 10 more. They just saw, hey, you like this recipe for whatever. Hey, you like this vacation destination. Do you want 10 more of those? Because if you touch this, you're getting 10 more. Right, yeah. I'm now playing Frosty. I'm much more aware on the football field that, oh, they're all going to come get me now that I said I wanted to hear more about beach destinations or something. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get 50 more destinations. Um, And it's been fascinating because I've been playing on different places and like, okay, what if you could recalculate and get them to shift what they're sending you by picking very particular things, and it works. You can shift and make them re- redo your feed, recurate your feed, if you start very strategically only hitting things that you know you want to see. <laughs> Why? Because they're just going to keep giving you more of what you asked for. Yeah. But if you think, I'm on a beach, and just random people are coming up and handing me drinks and souvenirs and all this one, and there's nothing to it, it's all just wonderful, and you no, know, there was very high level of intentionality, high level of targeted algorithms, Mm -hmm. use that word, I better keep my head up because they're all coming for me. What exactly do I want or else this thing will just roll over you? It's going to tackle you like a bunch of 300 pound linemen and you're going to be like, I didn't know we were playing this game. (laughs) Yeah, you've been playing the game the whole time. So if you think of it like a game, you'll, you'll come at it and interact with it differently than if you just think this is passive and it's just all coming at me. Right. Okay. So pretty much just uh, making sure that you're staying alert when you're online, staying mm-hmm. alert when you're interacting with any form of technology, including sure. maybe just going out about in the city with all those digital advertisements flashing at you 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, it's, that's, I mean, that's, that's scriptural. You're mm-hmm. keeping yourself alert of what the world is doing. Sure. Um, one thing that we, that we like to, or at least I like to use quite frequently mm-hmm. as a term, uh, is this idea of using the world against the world. And so you're, you're you're essentially talking about hacker culture in a way, yeah. yeah. You're you're trying to first of all create content maybe that is scripturally based, like mm-hmm. our shows, or you're going and messing with your own recommended feed, like you were saying, mm-hmm. so that you could get more of the content that you're looking for, or you're using some form of other forms of technology to create a global phenomenon TV show like The Chosen to get people who are film critics or get people who are really interested in cinematography and all that, Mm -hmm. get them start thinking about Jesus Christ without them even realizing that that's what you're targeting them for. Mm -hmm. Um, So on that, uh, that topic of using the world against the world, Mm -hmm. do you think that's a, that that's a valid way of putting it? Or do you think there's some other way that's better to put that sort of thing? Well, I, I think it's a start. I guess that's the way I would put it. It's a start because what you're talking about is I'm going to use the content that is uh, not necessarily affirming the world's value, which mm-hmm. is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a start. What what um, somebody like Mc- Marshall McLuhan would have been more concerned about was, but you're still playing their game. So as much as you're playing their game, you can't you can't say, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to play a more ethical football game, but you're still playing the football game. Yeah. So his point was, if we keep trading efficiencies and becoming less human, which is something somebody like um, Wendell Berry would be saying, uh, why don't we just play a different game? 
Yeah. I don't have to play the game. By the way, you guys have defined it. I can, hey, I went from playing football to playing soccer. It's a similar kind of field, different ball, completely different set of rules. Yeah. Why? Because you tackle people in soccer and you get in trouble. <laughs> like, oh, that's different. Um, but so it's not it, the first set of it is, are you using the stuff to contradict its value? Mm-hmm. Meaning, hey, this thing values selfishness and pride and um, consumerism. And OK, can we contradict that? Cool. That's the first step. The second step is to ask the questions as well, though. Am I still playing into its values of uh, I am just giving you more to consume? Mm-hmm. And so I'm still treating you as a consumer or am I really, truly hacking it and finding ways to make you a co-creator? Am I really, truly allowing you capacity to have agency to make choices or am I dictating them all for you? Mm. Those are the underlying things that make it, hey, this technology usually allows you to just do this. Sit back, relax. You don't have to think. Okay. But if I'm going to engage and interact, that's a completely different way of coming at it. Yeah. So. The thing I usually tell people is start paying attention to how you're feeling and, and intuitively sensing things are going. And if you're starting to go, something's off here, then start experimenting with, well, what happens if I take this away or change it or use it less or mm-hmm. maybe use it less frequently? Or does that change what's going on? Because humans, as much as we uh, are living in an ecosystem uh, that involves technology at the moment, but I'm saying all of the ecosystems that we live in, we live in a world and the things around us change us and we don't like to admit that. We like this thing like, we're just fishing water and it's water. Well, if I poison the water, the fish are going to die. But the fish won't even know why they're dying because for them, it's still just water and we didn't know anything went in there. Mm-hmm. So what's going on in the entirety of the ecosystem that may be, hey, I'm still in water and this is still, maybe it's cleaner water with more sunlight, but it's still not making me healthy. Yeah. So what does it mean? And that's the question is, how does this help me flourish and how does this not? How is this actually hurting me and I just need to take a break, um, use it differently? Um, because I don't have a problem. You know, there's a whole thing about like, don't consume. I don't have a problem with consuming. Mm-hmm. If I don't eat, I will die. <laughs> if I don't drink, I will die. So you have to, but it's how do we balance out? Yes, but we weren't just meant to do that. Yeah. So how can we pay attention, be mindful and aware of what is this doing to me? And is this the kind of person I want to be? Right. So maintaining first and foremost that we we want to be using technology or even just communication in general as a form of community. Mm-hmm. That's a baseline thing for our faith. That's yep. been a thing since the very beginning. But then also making sure that on an individual level, you're able to watch whatever it is that you're consuming because consumption is important, but it's important to make sure that you're eating a hamburger and not poison berries. Sure. <laughs> or, you know, a gallon of ice cream. Yeah. All the time. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, every once in a while. Every once in a while. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more like a pint, not a full okay. gallon. All right, all right. Uh, you're just under. You're, you're undermining this. You eat too much ice cream if you're eating a gallon yeah, of not ice cream on your like sad ice cream nights. Uh, so that's she's, pretty. She's totally outing you right. Now. She is. She does it like all the time. But that's what makes a good show too. I gotta say, so. it, it's it's personality wars. Honestly, usually okay. on this show. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much where it is that you think that we should be taking that then is this whole focus on community and then focus on an on individual level being able to not just interact with things without understanding what it is that it's doing to you or what you could be doing to it yeah i mean i was working on a book for a while and the the point was to try and teach parents how to teach their kids and the best metaphor i can come up with and i still love it is um living in a world 
that is, you know, an internet web point 2.0 based world right now mm-hmm. is a bit like swimming in the ocean. Like it can be a fantastic experience, but it's full of other stuff, jellyfish, yeah. sharks, you know, uh, cool coral reefs and all kinds of stuff, but other things that can, that are beautiful and some of them that are beautiful that can kill you. So like <laughs> you can't, it's not like swimming in a swimming pool where everything's clear and it's, you know, Hey, I can see all the way to the bottom and it's beautiful and it's fine. It's like swimming in the ocean. The thing is alive, and if you're not doing something, it can kill you. So mm-hmm. it's a how often do I go swimming alone? How do I have accountability? How often do I uh, venture out really far because I might not be able to make it back in? How deep do I go because I might not be able to breathe? So there's all these components that the ocean teaches us like, hey, this is how I would think of interacting with anything internet connected. Yeah. Is how long do you need to be in the ocean because if you've been and i used to live near the ocean go surfing or boogie boarding you know you come back in and take a break mm-hmm. like you just come in and lay out for a little while before you go back out because if you keep doing it it's going to wear you out and you're not even going to notice it wore you out and then you're going to be pulled by the undertow out or pulled under by the waves so yeah. that's my thing the internet is a living thing and Two camera results point, I know he said, you know, technology hates you and wants you to fail. I, I kind of disagree <laughs> with that, uh, largely because I just think it doesn't care about you at all and it'll roll right over you and kill you oh, with wow. no emotion whatsoever. <laughs> it's way less like it hates you. It doesn't really care. It's literally just going to kill you and move right on. That's that's actually really true. I, I think I have heard one student mention that you said that before. And I mean, I thought about it for a long time. I've con- have you have you talked to Camerzelt about that p- that position before? I, and I get his point because it feels that way to a human. Yeah. But my point is, yeah, I don't. You, you <laughs> need to realize how merciless this thing is. That the onslaught of the amount of information. He and I were just talking today about the fact that uh, everybody will say like social media is bad for you, and I'm like, no, that's not true. Because hmm. that's identifying a type of technology as that's the problem. Yeah. A type of technology is not the problem. Saying, oh, well, we've got a shark problem. Okay, I take the sharks away. It's still the ocean and it's going to drown you. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing is the problem, not one piece. Yeah. So picking a piece out and saying, well, that piece is a problem. Like, mm, I don't think it's that easy. It's the whole system itself because the whole system is literally inundating you with information on a regular basis and it's overwhelming. If you knew everything, everywhere, all the time, all at once, and everyone was coming at you, that gets a little bit much. So I'm Mm -hmm. no surprise that most of you are anxious and nervous and worried. And no surprise that I tend a lot to shut it off. (laughs) Like, hey, the communication professor doesn't do communication most of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. That's There's a reason for that. (laughs) So... Well, we appreciate, we truly appreciate your insight on these sort of things. We're happy that you were, that you were able to come along for Absolutely. this sort of topic. Um, if someone wants to go and listen to your show and hear you talk more about this sort of technology, culture, biblical studies mm-hmm. sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, where do th- where can they find your show? So it's on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's a Lulz Cafe, E-L-L-U-L. Uh, apostrophe S Cafe. Uh, it's named after our patron saint of technology criticism, Jacques Lull. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I think, 11 or 12 episodes up there. But if you just search a Lull's Cafe, trust me, you won't have a problem finding it because there's nothing else. <laughs> no one else. Who's Jacques Lull? What's going on? So check that out. Uh, and if you have questions, you can email me at profpedit at gmail.com. 
Excellent. All right. And speaking of which as well, if you have any responses for us as well for Collateral Creatives, you can email us at ccmoody22 at gmail.com. We're always open up to uh, to questions and responses to the things that we say. Mm-hmm. And uh, next week for our topic, um, kind of building off of how people are in control of these sort of things, Disney. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the, the topic in question, a monopoly on the production industry and thousands of hours of entertaining content is that dangerous for a Christian worldview? Yeah, and, and I guess I would I would add to your conversation as you're going sure. to remind you that there's only really six uh, media companies in the world. Oh, we can bring mm-hmm. that up. So, yeah. so if you want to say like, oh, there's all these other options, there's only six, five or six. And they're Not all just, yeah. It, it, the, so five or six people are controlling most of the things that you read, see, and hear. Yeah. So we will definitely bring that up. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much again for coming on. And uh, for those of you that are listening, we hope that we get to see you next week. 